The limited partner shares in the potential outsized returns of a well-planned and executed investment. But as a passive investor with no day-to-day -day operating requirements, whose liability is limited to the extent of their share of ownership, the limited partner has the maximum leverage on their most precious asset, their time. Now they say you're the average of the people you surround yourself with. Are you looking to elevate your network, connect with individuals that bring your average up? The Limited Partner is more than just a podcast. It's a community to learn, to participate, to connect. There's no other community out there like this for Limited Partners. So subscribe to the podcast, but most importantly, join the community at thelimitedpartner.com. Welcome to the podcast with your host, Jake Wiley. All right, partners, welcome again. This is your host, Jake Wiley. This week, I'm really excited. I've got Brandon Sedloff, and he is a managing director at Juniper Square. And this conversation is going to be a little bit different. You know, we're not talking to a syndicator. We're talking to somebody that's got experience working with lots and lots of syndicators on a platform that's built to help solve some of the common problems that they see. But Brandon, I don't want to steal your thunder. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jake. It's great to be here. Yeah. I, like I said, I really am excited to hear where this conversation goes and you never know where it'll go. I guess to start off, do a little bit of context, I'd love for you to give us a little background on one yourself and also Juniper Square and, and the problems you guys are solving. Absolutely. Well, I've been in the uh, real estate business for about 20 years. First got my start as a developer doing adaptive reuse and urban infill projects and quickly realized that in order to be successful in real estate, you needed to have access to capital. So moved over and spent some time building relationships on the capital side, did that in North America, did that in Asia Pacific. I spent eight years or seven years, I should say, in Hong Kong and then moved to Juniper Square in July of 2016 as the founding VP of sale. A lot of you may know of Juniper Square as the industry leading investor portal for real estate syndicators and fund managers. When I joined the company, it was three co-founders, uh, one colleague and myself. So it's certainly been an incredible journey. My whole career has been in and around private markets with a specific focus on real estate. And I've always been on you know, the business development and relationship management side. It's been a fun journey so far, but just getting started. Let's talk a little bit more about like those problems you guys are solving at Juniper Square, because obviously it's a need, it's growing, it's growing rapidly. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So Juniper Square is a, um, it's a financial services company. We started because we identified that there's a significant problem in private markets, which is there's a fundamental lack of transparency, and which leads to a lack of efficiency, which leads to lack of accessibility. And many of you on uh, listening to this podcast as syndicators know that your investors rely heavily on you to provide them with the information that they need to make investments into your deals. And so when we start to unpack the problem and understand why the industry is this way, one of the things that we came to realize is that the entire industry is run basically on spreadsheets. It's all analog. And some firms don't even use spreadsheets. They use actually paper books, if you can believe that. And this is going back to 2016. So the first problem that we need to be able to solve to help the industry evolve is how do you take all of this information, this unstructured data around the relationship between a GP and an LP and start to structure that so that we can have more effective and more trustworthy partnerships between these two parties. So Juniper Square as a organization, as a company, does a few different things. The first thing that we do is we have a SaaS offering, which includes a CRM, an investor portal, uh, and full investor reporting and accounting capabilities. That's probably what we've historically been most widely known for in the market. Today, we work with about 2,000 GPs who use us to report to about 300,000 individual limited partners. Uh, so we have quite a bit of scale there. The second thing that we're known for is our outsourced administration services, and we do that 
that both for deal administration, so often used by syndicators. We also do that for fund administration. So if you're thinking about raising a fund, uh, we have a team of fund accountants, controllers, investor services professionals who do the full administration. We can talk a little bit more about why we think that that's a really exciting area to be. And then over time, that will enable us to get into some new and different areas, which we can speak about later if, if time permits. Well, I guess maybe the obvious question, what's wrong with spreadsheets? That's the way that the industry has been for forever. Well, what's the benefit? It's easy to say old habits die hard is, is all I can say, but there's nothing wrong with spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are a fantastic tool for ad hoc analysis, and that's what they're still used for today. I think one of the big challenges that we observed is that a lot of people try to use spreadsheets as a system of record, and the reality is there's just inherent limitations to that. There's limitations around the auditability of those spreadsheets, and when these spreadsheets are moving between, you know, somebody who's raising capital, somebody who's managing an investor reporting relationship, and somebody who's responsible for signing off on the books and records that your financials are accurate. The risk of a mistake being made is really, really high when there's no auditability of those spreadsheets. Not to mention that a certain size and a certain scale, using tools like spreadsheets as a system of record just fundamentally breaks down. They were never designed for that. And so the first thing that we decided to tackle is meeting the market where the market is. How do we build a solution that provides a lot of the flexibility that a GP needs in spreadsheets, but also provides the interface that a limited partner needs in order to have that transparency so that they can actually understand what's happening with their general partner, how their investment is performing. And, you know, we believe that transparency leads to uh, outsized investment returns as well. So I think for you guys that are out there, the, the CPA in me is coming out in terms of problems with a spreadsheet is that ultimately, like you, you talk about a system of record, you're going to get information from your GP that you're going to file on your tax return, right? So now you're like putting the IRS on notice of certain numbers that were provided to you. So you think about like the risk associated with using a spreadsheet, like they're so high and then you're going to start filing tax returns and then somebody comes back and says, oops, keyed that we fat finger that number. I'm really sorry. Like you're going to have to do that. You have to go back and you know refile and make amended returns. It's complicated. So I think I would definitely recommend that if you are an LP, like one of the questions you should ask is like, what system is your GP using? Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, Jake. I think it's, it's absolutely right. And you know, one of the things that we've observed is not only are groups using spreadsheets, but they're using many, many different spreadsheets for many, many different things. And so what that means is that at the end of the day, if you're a limited partner and you want to understand what your total investment is or total returns across several investments with one syndicator or one GP sponsor, whatever we want to call them, the ability to get accurate reporting and an accurate number is really compromised when each different investment is taking place in a different spreadsheet or a different tab of the spreadsheet. So the very first thing that we do when we onboard a new customer is we take all the different spreadsheets from the general partner, the one spreadsheet with all the different tabs, and we basically stitch it together. And in nearly 100% of the cases, we're able to find and reconcile, help the GP reconcile mistakes that are made because it's just inevitable when you get to a certain size and a certain scale, getting all of the data to tick and tie all the numbers, all the calculations can be very cumbersome. And we're human beings, right? And humans make mistakes. That's totally normal. The point is, how can we help evolve to reduce the number of mistakes that are made? So like you said, Jake, when you're a limited partner and you need to go report to the IRS, you have confidence that the information that's being provided to you from 
your general partner from your syndicator is, is accurate. I think maybe along those lines too, would maybe be timeliness, right? So in terms of pulling all that together, I guess, what have you seen in terms of being able to pull K-1s together timely and, and the impacts that investors are going to see from that? We do an interesting survey that talks about investor satisfaction. And one of the big takeaways is that the vast majority, not surprisingly, of LPs are more likely to reinvest with, with a manager when their information is provided to them in a timely manner. And this is true if you're an individual, you know, high net worth limited partner, or even if you're a large institution like a public pension plan or an endowment or a sovereign wealth fund. The reality is, as many of the listeners are very well aware, is that you have an obligation to report to the IRS. You have an obligation to report to others that may be a part of a, a syndicate that you're running. And so the importance of having timely returns really increases in these types of environments. You know, we've seen that there's a few different ways to unpack this idea of timeliness. The first is around what is the type of information that you need from your general partner? Things like the Form K-1 distribution, which used to require the syndicator or the GP to get the K-1, Schedule K-1 from their accounting firm to prepare those, to match those to each individual investor position, oftentimes either to stuff them in an envelope and mail them out via the U.S. Post or sometimes send them via email attachment, which has its own set of challenges because you don't want to be disseminating personally identifiable information via email. And so the very first and probably greatest area of time savings is around the dissemination of K-1. So with a tool like Juniper Square, it allows for the full automation of the K-1 process, meaning that the software tracks the investor, the position, the account, and the investor is also able to consent to receive their K-1s electronically. And so what that means as a limited partner is that your manager, your GP is able to send them to you and automatically you can say, hey, I want to receive them or I want to receive the tax documents. And at the same time, I want my accountant to receive them and my lawyer. So it really just reduces the amount of back and forth that needs to happen between the limited partner and the general partner and then the limited partner and any service providers that are supporting them in their investments. So um, that's probably the greatest area, but other things that can help GPs, which indirectly benefits LPs, because the more efficient your general partner is, the more time they're spending on things that matter to you, like finding deals that outperform the market, managing those deals, adding value to those deals. So it does matter if you're a limited partner, how your general partner is spending their time. So other areas are around investor reporting. So the ability to produce do say investor specific statement or notice. So just stop and ask yourself, when was the last time as a limited partner that you were able to receive a full detail of transactions month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, that breaks down the type of transaction, breaks down the details of that transaction, and then provides you access to get you know information about the transaction in near real time. So these are the types of improvements that when you're not using spreadsheets as a system of record, but you're using technology or software like Juniper for Square as a system of record are going to provide massive benefits for you as the limited partner, but they're also going to help your general partner do their job more efficiently, reduce the number of mistakes that they might make, potentially reduce some of their overhead expenses, which enables better outcomes for everybody. There's a plethora of areas where uh, we see tremendous time savings. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point that I'm going to like, I'm going to hit on a little bit harder here in terms of where is the GP spending their time. And almost without doubt, every GP that I've ever talked to says one of the biggest mistakes they made is that they underappreciated the time it would take for investor reporting and investor relations. And what that means is that it turns into the snowball effect as they continue to grow, 
the amount of tasks and things that have to get done to get those reports out are taking their attention away from actually growing and being a successful business. And I think that's such an important point. But um, I guess flipping the script a little bit, you know, what is the right size? I think you alluded to this is that people don't really understand, but where, where should a GP be thinking about or when would they be engaging Juniper Square? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think, you know, one of the reasons, just going back to your earlier point, Jake, that a lot of GPs kind of lament the amount of energy and the amount of work that it takes is because typically you don't grow up and decide you want to become a general partner if you have a background in accounting or reporting or investor relations. Sometimes you do. And if you do, you have a much deeper appreciation around this. But oftentimes the people who start syndication businesses uh, have expertise in local markets, acquisitions, development, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, it's not for anybody. Uh, nobody's at fault for, for not realizing this time constraint. It's just often in oversight. In terms of the customer profile and in terms of customer maturity, you know, we have customers that have not yet raised their first dollar of outside capital, all the way through customers that have you know nearly $100 billion in outside equity that's been committed to different deals. Tools like Juniper Square are not inexpensive. And by the way, if they are, that should put up your spiny senses. We talked about earlier how these solutions and, and the services that groups like Juniper Square provide will become your system of record for your accounting and for your reporting. And so that's not an area that you want to skimp. It's like going to the car dealership and looking for the best car, but not remembering to look under the hood to see if there's an engine. One thing to be very, very mindful of is, you know, there's usually a direct correlation between what you pay and what you get. That said, for any sponsor that's serious, it's never too early. You should absolutely engage a company like Juniper Square right around when you're getting your first dollar of capital committed. But where you really start to realize the value is usually around when you have, you know, call it 10 to 15 LPs across one or more deals. So whether you're doing that proactively before you have those 10 or 15 LPs and one or more deals, or you're doing it reactively, the key thing is not to wait too long. By the way, there's another interesting angle here. I mentioned kind of the second thing that we do, which is administration services. And traditionally, administration services have only been available for funds through fund administration. And that still exists, and that's great. But one of the things that we've observed in supporting 1,500 syndicators on our platform is that many syndicators don't want to actually have to learn how to use software, don't actually want to have to learn how to develop a skill set around accounting and around reporting, and don't actually want to have to go out and hire these folks because, you know, people with a background similar to yours, Jake, and many of those who are listening are very hard to find and, and by the way, not inexpensive. And so one of the things that we do for our customers that fall into that profile is we can actually do the accounting and the reporting on a deal-by-deal -deal basis for the general partner. And this has massive benefits for the limited partner because you've got an outside firm who's doing the books and records. It allows the general partner to scale without having to add headcount every time. And there's other knock-on benefits around the timeliness and the accuracy of the reporting process. So there's a lot to unpack there, but the short answer is as soon as you have a quote-unquote legitimate business, meaning you know more than one deal and more than a handful of investors, you'll be at the early side, but it's you know it's never really too early as long as you're well-capitalized. Yeah, I, I really like that point. And, and two, I think the trap that a lot of us fall into, right, is that we just think we have to do these things or we should do these things. And, you know, accounting is not glamorous and it can be very tedious and time consuming. And I do see, I see a lot of, you know, funds and firms like their, their businesses just start to grow from a headcount perspective because they're just, it's a linear thing, right? Like the more you bring in, it's not like you get a, an economy of scale. 
you have to record the transactions. You need more bodies. You get more funds, you get more bodies. And I mean, it gets to a point where like you have these funds and you have teams of people that all they work on is one fund. And like that can really, really turn your GNA expenses like way up, right? And could be an issue down the road. And you become reliant upon finding great people. And in this environment, you know, this is, uh, we're recording this in, in June of 2022, finding great people, especially in accounting and reporting is really, really hard to do. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but, you know, ultimately you don't want to be in a place as a general partner where your business is limited by your ability to find great people and not limited by your ability to access capital or put that capital to work by finding great off-market deals. I couldn't agree more. I think the anytime you find yourself in a situation where you're chasing talent, you're trying to learn new skills, you are not really wearing kind of the business growth hat, right? And I think that's a takeaway and it's a suck, man. It like sucks your soul out too. And, you know, it just leaves you tired. But I guess you, you've you seen a lot of LPs, a lot of GPs. Let's talk about some of the mistakes you've seen, you know, from your seat. There's a lot. Um, I think, you know, a few, a few kind of of the most common ones that come to mind are really around, you know, the way that you think about building out the base of your organization. So I think one is what we just talked on, Jake, which is, you know, waiting too long in order to, to implement different tools that will help you scale your business more efficiently. So oftentimes the scenario is a GP comes to us, they're super busy, they have more capital than they can handle, they have great deal, great access to deal flow, yet they have no time and no resources to stop to put the proper foundation in place in order to grow and scale to the next level. And typically when we see that, people are coming to us because they just lost a key person at their company. And when I ask them why they just lost a key person at their company, it's almost always always because the person was overworked or stressed out or didn't have enough resources. So first and foremost is making sure that you are putting the right systems and tools in place early enough so that when the time comes and your business is truly humming, if it isn't already, you'll be in a good position and you can optimize for that opportunity versus have to stop and pause and solidify the base. That's the first one. I think the second one is optimizing for the most economical solution. We have some great firms that do things similar to us in the competitive space. What I can say is that oftentimes people become very focused on the total cost or the cost of a service or the cost of software. And as we talked about before, you know, what you see is what you get. And when we're talking about partnership enablement, that's not an area where I recommend that people skimp. And the mistake that I've seen is choosing the wrong provider or going for the most economical solution to only needing to either rip and replace the provider that you put into place, or even worse, need to unwind some of the mess that they've made. Yes, that's a headache for the general partner, but it also is a big red flag to the limited partners who are scratching their heads saying, well, you just put me on X solution and now you're moving me to Y. Why are you doing that? If you're doing that to save a few bucks, something must be wrong. Or if you're doing that because the first solution didn't work, did you make the, a mistake? And sure, mistakes are totally okay, but you just need to be prepared as a general partner to own that and communicate out to your limited partners what's going on. Otherwise, you know, trust and, and transparency become eroded. And we see that all too often. And then I think the third thing is really just around timeliness. And so, you know, one of the huge benefits of Juniper Square is that we have such a strong concentration of limited partners who are already familiar with the interface and the experience. And so what that means is that for each limited partner who has a manager to invest with, the manager that they invest with that uses Juniper Square, there's a consistent look and feel 
it's easy for them to go in and access the different documents and see how their investments are performing. And coming soon will be the ability to look at that in one kind of multi-manager view. So one single view if you're a limited partner. And so what that means is that we see sometimes GPs get into trouble where you know the majority of their LPs use one tool like Juniper Square, and then they're using a different tool. That obviously creates a little extra burden for the limited partner. And we've actually seen some limited partners terminate their relationships with managers based on the different reporting solutions that they make, not because a limited partner cares so much about that solution. They do, but they often don't have the say, but more because the other solutions often result in slower reporting, which means you have to file extensions on your tax returns or you know chase with your GP to get the different forms that you need in can become very problematic. So in addition to using spreadsheets as a system of record, in addition to not tracking information about your investors and your communications with them, which could be required in the event of an audit, there's a lot of different mistakes that we've seen. But overall, you know, it's really exciting to see the transformation that's happening in the industry. GPs are becoming more sophisticated. Limited partners are becoming way more sophisticated and demanding more for their GPs. And this kind of coalition of the willing is what's ultimately evolving our industry forward, which is really exciting because it means you know more opportunities for everybody. I guess some really maybe a final question is, as you think about as the market's evolving, the sophistication levels are going up and what's possible is becoming more relevant. Do you see that limited partners are actually seeing or I wouldn't say demanding but it's a, a huge value add for them to say like, yes, you know, I'm a GP, I'm using Juniper Square to the point where the GPs are saying like, yeah, we're doing it. We've made this investment. We have seen that. I mean, oftentimes, especially for new general partners, when they're getting started, they have an anchor investor. It's not at all uncommon to go to that anchor investor and ask them what their preferences are, because ultimately, you know, the first few checks in matter a lot and they're going to be what makes or breaks you. And I would say eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 times, a limited partner who's the first check or first few checks in will say, yeah, we prefer Juniper Square. And you know, there's really no reason for the general partner to go in a different direction at that stage. I think the other thing that we're seeing is that as the industry continues to transform and we move from analog to digital, if you will, from spreadsheets to a system of record, that's actually just creating a lot more opportunity for new investors to come into the market. It's creating a lot more opportunity for general partners to have more efficiency through automation. And it's ultimately resulting in much stronger partnerships between the GP and the LP. And these are partnerships that are built around trust. They're built around transparency. They're built around accessibility. And so ultimately, the key theme that we're seeing is that technology is an enabler of the development of private markets more broadly, including real estate private markets, where there's so many limited partners who would like to access new types of general partners, but don't know how to or where to find them. There's so many limited partners who would like to make their first investment as part of diversification around their retirement strategy, but don't know how. There's so many general partners who would like to expand the base of the retail capital of the, the high net worth and limited partners that they're talking to, but don't have the reach or they're concerned about the burden of needing to manage a lot of different LP relationships and what that entails. So it's all of these trends that we're seeing that are coming to a head right now that sit at the intersection of automation and investing that are really exciting because ultimately it means less time for general partners to find limited partners. So you reduce the search costs. When you reduce the search costs, you're reducing the dollar cost associated with that. When you have technology, you're reducing the cost to 
administer and report to an investor. When you have services like deal administration, you're reducing the burden of needing to staff up as your business scales and it enables you just to keep a small team. And as a limited partner, you're now being enabled to provide, to have a lot more transparency into how your investments are performing and kind of the days where a general partner says, no, 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 the only thing that you get is a K-1 once a year are gone. To me, that's probably the single biggest red flag if you see a manager that you're looking to invest with that's not committed to regular and timely reporting because in today's environment, there's really no excuse not to. It's totally unacceptable. And all the tools are there for a general partner to be a good fiduciary to you uh, as a limited partner. And I know that the vast majority of general partners do this, right? They're totally committed to being a good fiduciary and they appreciate the importance of timely and accurate reporting. You know, the analogy or the anecdote that I provide is going back 15, 20 years, we live in an environment today heavily dependent upon e-commerce and using sites like amazon.com and others. Imagine if today, you know, you couldn't log into a portal and see where your document is, as where your uh, package is as it's going across the country. Just that level of transparency or see how your stock is performing through your Charles Schwab or Fidelity account. This is the level of transparency that the market has become accustomed to. And it's part of what we're bringing to the market at Juniper Square. And we believe that is now a market norm and a market standard. So really exciting time to be in private real estate and private markets more broadly. The transparency is unlocking a tremendous amount of opportunity to build stronger partnerships and enable those partnerships to be successful over the long run. Right. And that was a lot. And I am a geek for platforms and technology that make things simpler because you're right. Like you just expect it and you know it's possible. So there's no reason to fight against that. But I like to end every show with a little bit of gratitude give you an opportunity to publicly say thank you to somebody that gave you a leg up or took a gamble on you maybe when they shouldn't have somewhere along the way. So do you have anybody in mind? Yeah, I've got a few. I'm a firm believer that real estate is part what you know, but mostly who you know. It's very much a people-centric business. And I've had the great fortune of being surrounded by great mentors. I always made it my point to be the least qualified person in the room, but a few specific people who really kind of helped me get to where I am. Uh, one is Doug Abbey. Doug is the former chairman of Swift real estate in the A and AMB, which is now part of Prologis and Doug's a longtime Urban Land Institute trustee and governor. He has given me some great career advice over the years and also introduced me to uh, my current boss, Alex Robinson, who's the founder and CEO of Juniper Square, which enabled me to have this opportunity. Uh, and then the second was um, Steve LeBlanc. Steve at the time was running private assets, I believe, or maybe private real estate for Texas teachers, the pension fund. And I remember I was sitting on a bus ride on a property tour with him and trying to figure out what to do. And you know, he said, hey, Brandon, go through the things that give you energy and the things that take your energy and do that every day for a month and then come back to me. And what that enabled me to do was to realize that this whole mantra and talk track that I had told myself that all I want to do when I grow up is be a developer actually wasn't the truth because a lot of the stuff that developers do are not the things that I'm good at and enjoy. But instead, what he got me to think about was what my, as he calls it, what my personal genius is. And I was able to identify that building and managing professional relationships are the things is the thing that I really enjoy. And the area where I've developed an appreciation and, and some uh, expertise is around private markets and real estate specifically. These seem like very trivial things, but um, in the scheme of a career, when you go from working as a developer to working in equity research to working at a think tank, it's not at all obvious that place that I would be today is one of the, the leaders of uh, one of the fastest growing private markets companies out there. And I have many, many people to attribute that success to, not least of which is 
you know, obviously my family and then the incredible team at Juniper Square. Ultimately, I tell young people or any people when they're looking to join a new company, yes, what the company does is important. Yes, what the mission is, is important. Yes, is the company on the right trajectory? That's important. But more than anything, do you like the people that you work with? Are they smart? Can they teach you something? Because I built my whole career on networks of people that I've met at other places, and I firmly believe other people will do the same. So it was a long answer to a short question, but I'm very passionate about uh, the people who have enabled me and others to get to where they are. Awesome. I am too. Hence why I asked the question. So thank you for sharing. Well, Brandon, how can our listeners get a hold of you? So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I believe you know the standard LinkedIn, just Brandon Sedloff. So that's probably the best place. Please reach out and connect and drop me a note that you heard me on this podcast. So I have some context. Second is email, brandon at juniper And I'm also on Twitter, Sedloff. although I'm not as active on Twitter as I probably should be, but feel free to reach out. So very accessible, very happy to connect. And if I don't know the answer, happy to point you to the person who does. So hope to hear from everybody. Awesome. Brandon, this has been a great show. I learned a lot. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate everything that you're doing to help educate the limited partner community. And thanks for having me today. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Limited Partner Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. If there's any reason you wouldn't leave us a five-star review, please email me directly at jw at jakewiley.com. Your feedback is always appreciated. Now, the show is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the Limited Partner community. It's a community where limited partners can come together, learn about what best-in-class looks like, opportunities, and most importantly, a place to connect. There is nothing out there like this. So head over to thelimitedpartner.com and sign up. We'll see you next time.